But please sit back, relax, and join the show. Make sure you do one important thing. Make sure you understand that they are working really hard to do what I do and to do what they love to do. Hey, you look great today. Glad you can make it. If you didn't know already, we're two peeps in a pod. We are a podcast full of free-flowing talks about friendship, life, and culture. We want to create a space where it's okay to disagree and be honest about your opinions. Welcome back to Two Peeps in a Pod. I'm Heather, artist, musician, and part-time pescatarian. <laughs> I'm Lindell, a comedian dad who wants to arm wrestle Jared Kushner. Hi, and I'm Mother. I'm the producer here at Two Peeps in a Pod, and I like to wear hair flowers in my hair. So, Mother wants to ask a question. What's our topic for this week? Question mark. We're going to talk about uh, our artist's journeys and our journey to the podcast, because those things are you know, pretty layered, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it, it ties back to uh, a friend of mine who listened to our first episode, uh, Breaking Bad, Tim. He was like, you know what, Lindell, it would be great if you guys talked to us a little bit about your journey. Uh, you both being in the arts, one a musician, the other one a comedian. He's like, I would love to hear more about that. So I think it would be great for us to highlight what got us to this pod, but then also sort of you know, whenever we have these conversations, give people something to think about from them from their own perspective. Like, you know, how does this sort of layer into what you're doing with, with your life? So, um, and I'm excited because there's some elements of your story, Heather, that I do know, but I hope we get into some of it that I don't know. Uh, and you know, I'm a big fan of your time in New York, so I just can't wait to get to that. I can definitely talk about that. You know, um, I I definitely am a musician. But I also, yeah, I feel like I started with visual art, just doodling. And then, um, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a lot of stories as a child. And at like 10 years old, I realized that I could sing. Or actually, I think my mom realized I could sing. She heard me singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that pretty much took over um, as far as my medium. And, and it's, you know, I carry my instrument around with me, like my voice. So, um yeah, I feel like I'm constantly practicing, even when I'm not, you know, actively practicing. Well, I, I keep telling you, people love your voice. Like, even on the pod, like, I've gotten nothing but amazing feedback on your voice. Like, one of my friends from California is like, oh, she sounds like an NPR lady. I was like, she maybe she will be one day. Who knows? I've listened to a lot of NPR, and I don't want to, like, copy <laughs> anyone's cadence. <laughs> maybe I do, like, you know, unwittingly. Right. So well, that works. What, but but where, tell me a little bit. No, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's stick with you voice? for a little bit. Let's okay, let's sure. okay. how, how like because yeah. with your voice, um, I, we'll, we can get to this part. But you sent me a clip uh, a few years ago with you singing in the club, and I remember I texted you back, and I was like, the only difference between you and anyone else is that other people are getting seen or heard and have opportunities because you're talented. You're amazingly talented. Thank you. Well, so I tell took, me how did that start? How did that start? Like, how did you get to that? Right. Point? Right. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, I was like singing in my living room um, as time goes by from the movie Casablanca, if anyone likes that movie. And um, my mom heard me. And then um, I think I was sort of, like 10 years old and I got like a solo and like a little, you know, elementary school production. And then I took voice lessons for uh, like eight years from the time I was 10 years old until I was 18. Oh, word. Yeah, so I really trained oh, hardcore. 
um, on music and I was in choirs. So I was, I mean, I worked really hard on singing primarily. So, and then, um, you know, I started writing songs probably when I was like 19 or 20. But I, I had, like, I started writing melodies in my head when I was a lot younger. Mm-hmm. But then as I got older, I started um, writing songs and realizing that I could. And then um, the first time I picked, I played uh, violin when I was a kid. And then I picked up the guitar when I was also around like 19 or 20. And I could pretty much play the guitar right away because I played the violin. It was a weird, like, I just kind of understood how to play it. And I uh, taught myself how to play guitar and started writing songs. And that's uh, that was a huge turning point. So, yeah, it's it's been a really big evolution. Okay. So how, how about then when you got to the point when you wanted to start trying to break out and get noticed? Like, what was that process like? Well, um, I didn't... I didn't have much luck when I was um, at, you know, in college, but uh, once I, like, was done with school, basically, in Iowa, um, I moved to New York for two years, and I got a chance to sing just, like, a song um, at, at two different shows at the same place in New York. So it wasn't, like, a ton of exposure, but that was, like, my start with, you know, I was really trying to meet musicians, and putting myself out there. Um, it wasn't a huge audience, but, um, that was when I started really singing consistently. Right. Um, and it was, uh, that was all, uh, jazz music. Uh, but really the, the great part about that was, um, I met some really amazing musicians like that are, you know, Grammy nominated at this point, which I can't even believe that. Um, and, uh, Arlene Talley, if anyone knows that singer, she had a show on Saturday nights um, at a place where I used to sing. It's now closed. It's called uh, St. Nick's Pub in Harlem. Um, anyway, Arlene Talley was an amazing singer. Like, she toured with the Isley Brothers, and she told me that I could carry a tune, and I'll never forget <laughs> it. <laughs> but isn't that and, the best when someone you admire gives you validation? Because like sometimes I always say in arts, I used to tell this to people when I was um, on the road and they were just starting out. Like, it's not really for the people that pay to get in. It's the people that do the art that means the most to you when you get that type of feedback. So that had to feel great. Like, how, I mean, how, how great did that, you know, when you pull that in and then it catapults you to another level when you get that type of compliment. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I, I loved, I just love to play with those people. I just, you know, I, that's the thing about music. Like, when you find really great musicians that you love to work with, it's, you know, incredible. Um, yeah, and then after that, um, after that experience, I moved back um, to where I live now in, in the Midwest, and um, you know, just nothing really happened. And I tried to work on a project with some people, and it fell through. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked more into like the business side of music for a while. Like I really tried to research that. Like how can I get like a sync licensing deal? And got more into the production side. Um, and then, you know, for the past few years, that's pretty much, I've just been like making things in my room and like doing like basic production. And I made all the music for the podcast, which is anyone who like loves producing, you know, any of you garage band heads will recognize the loops that I layered. Um, but you know, it's most of its original music. So, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of where I ended up with that. Um, 
So yeah, I talked long enough about no, all that no. stuff. Stop. What do you mean long yeah. enough? Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it's funny because I love talking to you because you'll glaze over stuff. So like in New York, what was your... Your, your, your I don't want it to be like the Heather show, no, though. It's so no, hard for I, me to. I know. That's why I'm pulling, putting, I'm pulling you into the spotlight. You're trying to pull off. I'm pulling you back in. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably York, why. <laughs> in New yeah. York, what was? Because we'll get to me. I don't have a problem with that. But in New York, what was one of the? You talked about performing in Harlem, which to me, to me personally, person that performed in New York as well, is a big deal. Like especially if you're doing jazz, and if you can go up on a Saturday night, you didn't say a Tuesday night. You said it's Saturday night in Harlem. That means something. So what was like one of those uh, showcase shows like that was your favorite or the one you felt the best about? Yeah, and again, I mean, it wasn't a huge audience, but the people that were hanging out there were really talented. So you had to, and like, you know, you had to be able to sing to do yeah. it. And um, I think the best part about it was that they let me make up the songs on the spot. And I was working with musicians, like some of them were like, um, in school, you know, studying, and they loved that I would improvise and make up the lyrics and the melody and everything right there, then and there. And the person that um, I was uh, ended up dating, almost marrying, he was a, also a poet, and he would also improvise on the spot to the music. And it was really, that was incredible. And that's what I love to do. And actually, the clip that you mentioned earlier, um, Rebel Room in Chicago used to have something called Soul Sessions. And um, I was lucky enough to find out about it right at the tail end. And I was also lucky enough that they let me um, sing. And that was also all improvised. You could not, you know, you cannot sing any song that's written. You have to make up the song on the spot. And I even started singing a song just because someone in the audience mentioned the song. And I started singing it. And they're like, no, 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 stop. Like, just make it up. So I, that's what I love to do. I love to just get up there and just improvise. And I, I think that's why jazz music like really took over for a while because it allowed me to do that. So I think my highlight moments were when I would make up a song on the spot and people would really enjoy it. And I would get that, you know, beautiful like feedback from the audience and those moments too, where I was singing and I could feel that the room was completely silent. That's a beautiful feeling. That's amazing. That's, so, you know, because you, I think a lot of people don't understand what that means in that moment. Like, if you're pouring your heart out and the room gets silent like that, they're taking in the art on such a deep level where they're actually going to be playing that back for months, years to come. Like, they're and and the collective, everybody's now in tune to this one frequency, which is you, and enjoying every element of you. That's that's dope. Yeah. So and the fact I that you did our music and we didn't have to pay for it is amazing too. Yeah, and I've been just sitting on it for a while and it was really nice. I just, you know, I played it for our producer mother and she loved it. And, you know, she's taking things that I've just had sitting around and what I call the vault. That's what I call where all you my artists. You and Prince you know, have the vault. I, I draw and I write stories and I, I do a lot. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff lingering there that I'll, I hope I can talk more about throughout the podcast and, and i love that you're opening me up and making me talk about it because i it does make me feel really warm and fuzzy to think about those performances and about that time at, in new york because there was something magical and and i think everyone who is there if, if any of you are listening to this you know what i'm talking about like and i've talked about it with some of those musicians um you know a few years ago or so when i visited and you know, we just, we felt the magic at, at St. Yeah. Nick's 
and yeah, Saint that was Nick's. Just that's so hard. Saint Nick's pub. So Harlem. Uh, oh, so hard. I think it used to be called Lucky's. I think that okay. it used to be called Lucky's back in like you know Malcolm X was hanging out and like yeah, the and Sugar Hill was yeah. really yeah sure. taking off. But anyway, you know, yeah, really great moment. Well, so now yeah. that's a that's a true musician story because not only did your talents get you back to Chicago, but now we're also leveraging those talents in the pod. And of course, you picked out our colors for logo. I mean, like you just you're so artistic, and I think for a lot of us we don't realize that talent is a part of who we are. Like you, we were talking about it a little bit earlier in text about like, you feel like you're born this way, but we still have to continue to use talent throughout our lives and, and find ways in which we're going to channel it and release it. And now we're actually going to be able to get the perfect storm with this pot because I'm going to pull out more music from you. I'm going to pull out some of your drawings from you and you have no idea how much I'm going to exploit your talent. <laughs> I, I need you to. I mean, uh, I just, oh gosh, I appreciate that so much about you right now, though. Like, uh, you're just, oh, I love you, it. You write up the descriptions for our episodes, and I'll be on the phone, and you'll come up with something great. Like, nah, just add this one word just so I can think I'm contributing. And I'm really not doing anything, but like, put an and right there. <laughs> okay, but you're just. You know, I don't know. You're just amazing in all different ways. But you know, something you and I bonded over music initially, and I yes, that's yes. really why we became closer friends. And yes. you your know, taste, your, you taste of, your taste in music is—I um, don't want to say shocking because that's rude. I think you can't assume what a person should listen to, um, but it was absolutely surprisingly refreshing to have you play songs that resonated from my childhood. And I met you in like 2015, 14? It's been at least Whatever. six or seven years. Yeah. So, but, but again, but the point though is how did you being 10 years younger than me, are you playing music? And I'm like, yo, my parents used to play this. Like I haven't heard this song in years. So that's, that speaks, that spoke to me about how talented you were for you to be digging in the crates and to have had the experiences to introduce you to that type of music. So we talked a little bit about your comedy coming out at a young age so that you could just distinguish yourself from the crowd. Right. So is that how you identify your artistry or is there something else would you experience like a writer or something else other than a comedian? Yeah. So great question. Cause I really view myself more as a writer than anything. Um, the comedy is an outlet, but I'm also most impressed when people recognize how hard I've written the joke you know um my mom got me started and god bless uh, my mom got me started um when i was um probably preschool i signed up for a play and i wasn't nailing the lines and she grabbed me by the collar of my shirt pulled me into her face and was like boy if you don't see these lines the right way i'm going to kill you and i was like four <laughs> so anyway my mom was intense so i had lines and after that i just performing like hey, you take me to a party i'm dancing but what really got me to stand up, um, I was like five or six. And I remember, and my son does this sometimes. He takes like an hour long shower and he'll be in there forever. And I'm like, yo, man, get out of the shower. But I would be in there acting out shows and stuff I would see. And I remember when I was tall enough to the faucet, I would act out in front of the faucet looking into my reflection because I couldn't see the mirror. And I did that for years. And you know, I got tall enough, I got to get to the mirror and all that. And I forgot that. Remember, I tell you how sometimes you forget how you are a kid. 
when I was 28, I was dating a woman and she broke up with me. And I had not done anything with the arts. I acted a little bit in college, did some school plays. But then it just hit me. It was Glendale, you used to like to do this thing. I was watching a Dane Cook special on Comedy Central. And next thing I know, a friend of mine I've been playing basketball with for years because it's how the universe works. I go play basketball on a Monday. He's like, yo, I got to do a show this Saturday. I was like, a show where? It's like at uh, Zanny's downtown Chicago. I was like, where? You're not funny. And I went to go see him. And he got me my first weekend uh, showcase. And I took off. Just started telling jokes. And they were terrible. They were awful. But I just started writing and started talking. And the rest kind of worked itself out over a period of time. I wish it was, was more. Your, was your friend <laughs> funny? So this is the deal. Not funny on the basketball court. He was a chemist. His name is Ralph. And Ralphie, um, Ralph Roberts, if anybody wants to look him up, he's very talented. But clinically on the stage was one of the best comics. I still have yet to see someone more clinical than him. And now he's not a comic that is as prolific as I am. Like I, I write a lot. But he's in front of the audience. He is an absolute technician. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, hour. This dude kills every time. And I mean, and I've worked with a ton of people, but I still remember him being the first one. I was like, how can you be so unfunny off the stage and so amazing on the stage? And that's when I realized that's how talent comes in different shapes and sizes. You don't have to be on all the time to be amazing. And he was absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like the older I got, the more I realized that there's a place for all of our art and anything you make isn't a waste of time. And there's like a little, I don't know, there's a niche for, for everyone, you know? Right. And I think what it comes back to is how are you going to implement it in your life? You know, so for many years, obviously, the writing came from the stand up. So like the stand up was my outlet. But a few after I've been a stand up for about maybe three years, me and one of my really good friends, um, wrote a sitcom. Uh, uh, so we did a, a competition where we have wrote a sitcom out. And then that led me to establish a relationship with Mayron Trigoli, who's out in California. Um, simple plug here. He has Curse of Aurora coming out in January. Uh, pay on demand. Uh, I think it's like January 4th or 5th. I don't know. I'll get it right. I'll plug it then. But my point, though, is is um, writing opened that up and then from that you know now we do short films feature films and we have this relationship but a lot of times people think hey Lindell just want to tell jokes I don't what I really want to do is write I feel like my life story somewhere down the line there's a story in me that I want to get out and for a long time it was through the jokes it was my jokes were all autobiographical it was all snapshots of my life with the boys their mom I'll say this real quick though when I realized how to make my life the art, that was when I became a comedian because now I'm not just telling jokes. Now I'm sharing moments and I'm pulling you in because you're sharing similar moments and they feel the same way. Like they feel like when me, and, uh, I almost said her name, but uh, when me and the boy's mom's dad figured out a way to get, get along when he's white and I'm black and we figure out a way to like hang out and like, enjoy each other that was magical because now when i'm going to the midwest and people want to be racist i'm like yo you can be but I don't know, I, I, you can also just be like this guy who just accepts me for who i am at least for the hour you go back to being racist at 10 o'clock 
Yeah, that, that's like comedy does seem to be like condensed life stories, you know, and life is so absurd. And my right. opinion, so there's so much to mine from those experiences. And it is a way to, yeah, and it's, I think, like music, I think like making music, someone right. laugh, like making someone laugh definitely transcends boundaries. Right, and it, and it takes them out of their mindset. I, I always say you can't laugh and work at the same time. So if you're laughing, you're letting something go. So right. with music, same deal, like, you know, it transcends, it, it can take over whatever you were feeling beforehand. So I know a lot of people hated black people, but loved Miles Davis. Like it's just yeah. how it worked and, and how it works. Same with Michael Jordan. You can take it and you can re reverse. There's a lot of black people that can't stand white people. But yo, if you can carry a tune, we'll be like, all right, yeah, all right, you know. I mean, I, I think that's what it's like in Harlem for a lot of people oh, at first. I'm just saying, like, I don't think people understand. Like, <laughs> you in Harlem killing it on a on a Saturday night is I don't know if I was killing it, but you know, people, you can't people get up on a Saturday. Me. You can't get up on a Saturday night in Harlem unless you're killing it. Like you can't. I don't even have to be. There. I performed in New York plenty of times. I know. Thank you. You know, you know I'm just being honest. And we're killing it right honest. now. We are killing it right now. Final thoughts. All right, everybody, we're back from Final Thoughts. This is Mother. I have a question. Mother wants to know, what is your two greatest influences on your artistic career? Yay! Ooh, snap! Uh, okay, let me jump in, because I, I, I got one for sure. Um, one for certain is my mom. Like, I can't say enough about what my mom did for my career. Uh, I'll tell one quick story. When I first started on stand-up, I wanted every every black comic wants to be Eddie Murphy the first time I hit the stage. So my first like maybe two months on stage, I was swearing and wearing like a little medallion around my neck and a leather jacket, trying to look like Eddie. And it was funny because my mom comes up to the show and I'm swearing and stuff, and she I get off stage and she grabs me again by the collar, pulls me up in her face. And started swearing at me about my swearing. People were like, motherfucker, if I can't fucking cuss him one more motherfucking time, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. I didn't raise you like that, you black motherfucker. Word, verbatim. And I was oh. like, do you know what the word contradictory means? And it was a very <laughs> funny moment. I stopped swearing on stage. I stopped swearing on stage and I became, I became hot because I didn't, I didn't use profanity. Uh, my second, um, obviously, is Dave Chappelle. And the reason why is not only for what he's doing now, but what he did prior to him becoming famous. Uh, he had a special uh, when he was in Washington, D.C. I think it was called Killing Me Softly. I could be mistaken. But the first 30 minutes of that special was some of the best writing I've ever heard and was so influential in me because it told me, okay, Lindell, if you just write the jokes, the performance will come out and it'll be even stronger. So those are my two, my mom and Dave Chappelle. Heather? Oh, Muller says, Heather? Well, I'm having a heart attack over this question because musically, there's a few influences I can definitely say. 
Um, the first one that comes to mind is Erica Badu. I, I've been obsessed with her since the seventh grade. She was on like my planner in seventh grade, like, and cause she was so, she was herself. And my, my sister gave me her CD when I was, I don't know, in eighth grade or no, I think it was, no, it was earlier, sixth grade, whatever it was, Baduism came out. I got that CD and I just loved how she was like so unapologetically herself and like she was just so true to her own style and I just I loved I just loved her music so much and I loved her just I don't know I just she was such a strong uh, woman and I wanted to be like her in a way um and then musically also uh Marvin Gaye I'm just like his life story too just all the contradictions that he had and all the struggles and pain that he had, I just, I really relate to. Um, David Ritz wrote his, um, helped write his uh, story and um, also Smokey Robinson. Anyway, um, and his music also just really uh, resonates with me. And I think their artistry, I just, I'm really influenced by. Um, but I don't know. Um, and also, I maybe also the writer, Jeanette Winterson, um, she wrote uh, my favorite books that have ever been written. Um, and her, she's very uh, intuitive and poetic in her writing. So she does a magical realism. And I think those things definitely are incorporated into my art. Mother has a second question. The second question is, what year was your greatest year for your artwork? doesn't have uh, to be a date. Like it can a, just... It's like a game show. Yeah, year. Yeah. No. Yeah, this is like a year. Like, I mean, a game show. What year? Oh. No, I mean, it's I like, okay, I, uh, like, no, no, for example, you yeah. could say, like, last year because of blah, or you can be like, you know, know 10 know. years ago. It doesn't yeah. have to be a number. It has to be like, yeah. no, I got you. you know, kind of like a feeling or a reference, you know? Right. Yeah, the ego person is. When I got back from Nam and I realized the Agent Orange hadn't kicked in and my vocal cords were still intact. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have a good answer for that. I think that was the best answer ever. Let's just leave it at that. The year that I um, got off the road. The year I decided that my family was more important to me than chasing fame. I was in Rochester, Minnesota, and I took the feature act out to see Guardians of the Galaxy. So that would be a reference for the year. And after the show, I was like, I quit. I'm going to do the tonight show, and then I'm walking away. And he was like, what are you doing? And it was the best choice I've ever made in my life. Thank you for listening. If you want to continue, please find us again on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened so far. We love you so much. We'll see you next time. Word. Hosts, Heather and Lindell. Graphics by Susan Holton. Music by Heather E.G. Voiceover by Two Peeps. Editing by Mother. Produced by Downtown Media Works, LLC.